Have you ever had trouble with your tongue? Yes, I mean that little red muscle in your mouth. Then you need the Tongue Bridler 7000. Uh, take, for instance, my assistant here, Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hi. Sometimes Joe is tempted to say harsh words. But once we've inserted the Tongue Bridler 7000, Joe uses kind words. Kind. Kind. Thank you, Joe. At other times, Joe gossips. But by simply turning the Tongue Bridler 7000's knob to gossip be gone, Joe's gossip problem is gone. Has your tongue ever slipped and said a bad word or two or three? Joe's has. Well, just set the Tongue Bridler 7000 on filth filter and let it go to work. In no time at all, your tongue will be so clean you could eat off of it. <laughs> The Tongue Bridler 7000, available now through this exclusive radio offer. Order your Tongue Bridler 7000 and begin bridling your tongue today. <laughs> and we have the uh, Tongue Bridler 7000 available in our Family Life Resource Center. <laughs> if you'd like to call us, our toll-free number Bob, is... Bob, 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 Bob. <laughs> People are going to believe we really have that. <laughs> They're going to wish, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Tuesday edition of our broadcast. We have not invented that technology yet, but our host, the executive director of Family Life, Dennis Rainey. I pledge if I invent the technology, <laughs> yeah. I will donate it all to this ministry. <laughs> to modern science. And you know what? We could explode this baby around the world if we invented that, because there is a great need for a tongue bridler. Barbara Rainey is with us as well. You could have used one of these as your kids passed through adolescence, huh? Uh-huh, still could. We're yeah. not through yet. <laughs> we could have used it this morning, Bob. <laughs> I was listening to the uh, bickering that was occurring in our family, and I was trying to take a shower, and one of our teenagers came in and said, Did you hear what happened with my sister? Mm -hmm. She wouldn't get out of the bathroom, and I wanted to get in the bathroom. <laughs> and I sat there for five minutes and listened to the entire thing being rehearsed again, and it was nearly late for work, <laughs> all because of this, this wild beast that is untamed running loose in our home. Wild beast? Yes. It's called a wild tongue. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> we need that bridler. Well, this is one of the traps of adolescence that you talk about in your book, Parenting Today's Adolescent. And you've used this metaphor of traps to describe snares that lay in wait for our children, right. some of them obviously deadly, but some of them much more subtle and yet no less dangerous. Yeah, and we need an authoritative word here from uh... – the Apostle James, mm -hmm. James chapter 3, just gives us, I think, a great warning. It says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts, birds, and of reptiles, and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. Mm -hmm. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. That's a scripture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds it's, like it needs to be caged up in the zoo. <laughs> well, it needs the tongue bridler. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, I wrote down in our book, Parenting Today's Adolescent, some of the things that our children verbally spar over. Like what, Barbara? 
Well, like the proverbial, who gets to sit in the front seat of the oh, car? Oh, man, if I hear that one more time, <laughs> that one drives me crazy. It mm-hmm. is nuts, isn't it? Okay, that's one. The other one, another one is who gets the biggest piece of pie or cake or dessert or whatever. Or it doesn't big, really matter. Or the biggest scoop of ice cream. Yeah, or the biggest bag of chips And or at whatever. that point, I could enter into that one, Bob. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good example but for the, our children. The thing is with kids, even if they don't like What's being served? They want the biggest they portion. They want the biggest. That's, yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Except if it's green beans. They don't want the most <laughs> no. green beans. That's right. <laughs> then they'll cry because they got too many. That's uh-huh. right. Another one is uh, in our house is who had a friend over last and whose turn it is and who got the most friends over and how come I don't? It's not my turn and mm-hmm. on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Who made the mess? Who cleaned it up last? Whose job it is? Whose job it's not? We have another <laughs> child in our family. A seventh child? Yes. Nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody did it. Yeah. And so we always say it must have been the seventh child. Nobody. Nobody. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times we can't get an answer except yeah. for nobody. Yeah. Uh, who had permission to wear what or who borrowed something without asking, something like that? Who got more freedom when they were growing up? Oh, this is a big one. It's a big one now. With we got kids gone. What, the older kids? Oh, or? yeah. They make a few observations about our parenting style with the ones that are left at home. Like what? Like we're spoiling or we're giving them too much freedom or I never had it that easy or you never let me say that or, you know. (laughs) So it doesn't end when they're gone. Well, you know, we talked about attitude and and that's some of what you're talking about here. Mm -hmm. But the tongue really takes attitude and gives it life, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or it gives it death. Yeah. That's the case. (laughs) What I I was thinking as you said that. Proverbs sixteen twenty four though, says that um, the mouth can bring life, mm-hmm. can be like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And that's the maddening thing about the, the mouth and the tongue and the lips. It can either bring life to another or death. Yeah, blessing or cursing. That's exactly right. And, and as parents, we've got a responsibility to keep these wild tongues under control. Mm-hmm. And we'll be giving you a, an address where you can write in and get that tongue bridler at the end of the broadcast. <laughs> What's at the root of this, Dennis? What is causing teenagers to lose control of their tongues? Well, they got their own selfish, sinful nature at stake. They also are running around with peers where they're picking up all these bad habits like slang words, cussing, attitude problems, disrespect. And then they have one another. I think they provoke one another to anger and to hateful harmful words. Mm -hmm. Barbara, have you uh, found yourself disciplining for uh, for tongue issues? Have you ever washed anyone's mouth out with soap? Uh, I haven't used soap myself. I think Dennis used it one time on one child, but I'm a big fan of using Tabasco sauce, which he is... Tabasco uh, sauce? Oh, yes. It's wonderful. Little drop (laughs) of pepper on the tongue? Or several drops, depending on what the offense is. Currently, right now, in our family, you get two or three drops of Tabasco sauce for cutting one another down because that is such a big thing for teenagers is cut downs and and be, making critical statements about siblings. So right now the current dose is two to three drops for cut downs. But disrespectful words toward mom or dad uh, for our teenagers is an automatic five to six drops of Tabasco sauce. Five to six drops. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, you know, just placed there on the tongue and allowed to be washed off. Well, they have to let it sit there and burn a hole in their tongue for a while. (laughs) 
kind of sounds like battery acid, doesn't it? Do you remember? Do you remember Dennis, the first child who got Tabasco on the tongue? I don't. I don't. But but I'll say this, Bob, because I know there's some of our listeners going, ah, yeah, there's child abuse right here in our midst, right on the radio. Uh-huh. I have been doing some informal surveys at our Family Life Parenting Conferences Mm -hmm. and in churches across the country. And I've asked people to hold up their hands who had their mouths washed out with soap that was not biodegradable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tabasco sauce is a food substance. Mm -hmm. It is hot, (laughs) but it is a food substance. It it doesn't permanently damage the taste buds. Our kids still have the ability to taste ice cream and and other (laughs) other flavors. But uh, it's astounding, Bob, about... 40 to 50% of the audiences that I've surveyed when they were a child, most likely I would say a teenager, I'm not able to ask the age, but when they were a teenager, had their mouths washed out with soap. In fact, I got a buddy in Texas who's a real estate broker who said his mom would, would get his head in a headlock <laughs> and he wouldn't hold his tongue out so she would hold his nose until he had to open his mouth and then she would take his tongue and leather it Ooh. leather it <laughs> with the horrible. soap and so he's a halfway normal guy right he's you turned know, out okay he's turned out okay and you know i think sometimes and, and and here's what i'd say to some of our listeners here a little too uptight about some of these matters you know, I think we're so afraid today of doing something that damages our children that we, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I've heard some, some parents use vinegar and rub uh, a little vinegar on the tongue. I think that's a great idea. And and uh, I have agreed with Barbara that we'll use a little Tabasco sauce here and there with the kids. But frankly, you start, you start uh, thinking about it. What is in your arsenal by the time they're 13, 14, and 15 when they get these haughty, arrogant attitudes that come out with their tongue. Well, here's the point. We may be doing more harm with our children by not applying a few drops of Tabasco, by not correcting the problems with the tongue, than we would if we ignored the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm preaching I mean, the choir here, you Barbara. You sure are. I mean, we, <laughs> you, you just can't let that garbage run free in the house. You just can't. And it's it's hard um, it's hard to discern because our kids come back with this line all the time. But I was just joking. But if you don't train them, they will be absolutely wild, just like James talks about in the Scripture. Their tongues will not be at all control. And, and as parents, we must discipline for those those uh, words that are harmful. Now, here's where I can step in and help, because with Jimmy, we had a little Scripture memory. This was a couple summers ago. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 and 18 says, Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. And and we made Jimmy memorize that. Every morning he'd come to the breakfast table and he had to recite that verse at the breakfast table. And then any time it started to come out of his mouth, you could almost watch him freeze because he realized he was being a madman any time he used those words. I was only joking. That's right. And Philippians chapter 2 gives us another great passage to have your children memorize when it comes to the use of their tongue. Philippians two fourteen: do all things without grumbling or disputing. Hmm. Do all things without grumbling or are disputing. I'll I'll say that a third time. <laughs> Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now has this been an issue for your family? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, since our children were little. And I don't know if our family, frankly, is all that different from other families. I just think the human nature 
will push it and press it as far as it can get away with it. And if mom and dad don't build some boundaries around these issues, as Barbara said, these attitudes will take over a family. They'll poison it, just like uh, James said. They'll burn the whole forest down. Mm-hmm. Well, what's at issue here is is really the issue of respect, respecting one another. I mean, we've all learned to curb our tongues when we're in the in the presence of someone who we respect right. and uh, a situation that we know we better keep our mouths shut. And our children, by not curbing their tongues, either with their peers or with their parents, are really evidencing a disrespectful attitude, which is really what's, what's being manifest, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I just want to read something from our book, Parenting Today's Adolescent. If you don't nip this type of talk in the bud, it will take a permanent residence at your house. Children must be taught that cutting others down in any way, even if they're just joking, demeans people and is repulsive because every person is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Genesis one twenty six tells us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God doesn't make losers, nerds, or geeks. <laughs> he creates people in his image worthy of respect. At the center of every successful human relationship is respect. Respect for your parent, respect for your neighbor, respect for your friend, your teacher, your spouse, your boss. We are to give people kindness, not derisive words, Mm -hmm. not words that cut them down, not words that tear them to pieces. And yet the very nature of the human heart is to want to be critical of other people. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you, Barbara, other than Tabasco, what have you found as a way to train a child's tongue? Well, one of the other things we've done is we have charged our children money, teenagers' money. Now, a little kid you can't do that with because they don't have it and it doesn't mean that much to them. But teenagers' money means a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, there there was a time that we went through where we decided we would charge them uh, so much money for a cut down. And I think it was about $5 a cut down. And $5 is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And boy, they think twice about having to cough up five bucks for a lousy comment. So that that's one other thing that we've done. Now, for that fine to be imposed, did they have to cut somebody down in your presence? Or could they come report that another child had just done it to them? I think it was pretty much the stuff we heard at home. Because you can get it can get real sticky if you're reporting on one another. <laughs> That's what I thought. Then, then you need a private eye and a detective and all that business. And Sherlock so. Holmes couldn't solve some of the uh-uh. issues at our house. Well, it's interesting. Sometimes children can learn to tame their tongue in terms of talking to mom or dad, but when it comes to talking to one another, oh man, sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. That's when it really gets to be an issue. Yeah, it really is a big issue, and part of it is is that they're just immature and they don't know how to resolve conflicts wisely. They just, they want what they want when they want it, and it makes them mad when they don't get what they want when they want it. And so they they figure that if they bully their way or charge their way or if they insist on it strongly enough that the other one's going to give in. Mm-hmm. So they have to learn a lot of, through a lot of trial and error, that there is a better way to do it. So the problem for parents comes in deciding when you get involved and when you back off and let the kids handle it. And for the most part, um, in most situations, it's best to just let the kids work out the difficulty themselves. 
uh, because if a parent goes into rescue all the time, you become enslaved again to your children and to their whims and their problems. And uh, again, you're serving them excessively at that at that point. But um, I think parents just need to be really, they need to monitor, but not necessarily run in and rescue all the time. Mm-hmm. One of the things you can do is you can uh, discipline both of them if you can't can't determine who the guilty party is. That uh, that begins to work things out real quickly, <laughs> and uh, you don't always have to resolve the issue by uh, putting on your referee's uniform and, and getting a whistle and trying to find out who was guilty. Another thing, too, is that as you listen to these skirmishes going on in your house, um, just take some mental notes about who needs what kind of training as follow-up, because a lot of times in the middle of the conflict, it's not the best time to handle it anyway, because everybody's mad and upset, and they're not listening to reasonable information anyway. But you could do some follow-up later on and go up to one of your children and say, now, how could you have handled that better next time? Let, let's talk about what kind of approach you might want to try next time. Or perhaps next time when you talk to your sister about how long she's been in the shower, why don't you try this approach? Why don't you try saying it this way and sort of coach them when they've cooled down and the tension of the moment is over on how they can better handle it next time. And there'll be zillions of those coaching opportunities because they sure don't take it to heart as quickly as we would like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we don't feel like we can get the upper hand or we can't move to victory in some of these areas. And we continue to challenge our listeners to not underestimate the power of prayer and going to, to God and saying, God, I, I need you to break through in this area. I need you to help us or help me as a single parent um, minister to the needs of of our children and help them get their tongues under control. We faced a situation with uh, our two sons, Benjamin and Samuel, where they were at each other's throats. We had done our best disciplinary uh, efforts, brought them pain, and yet we were not winning. The, their tongue had been uh, conditioned to Tabasco sufficiently that, <laughs> that yeah. it wasn't working. It wasn't. And so we, we went to prayer, and Barbara and I prayed for some time. and. The Lord orchestrated some circumstances that only he could have done. Yeah, this situation with our boys had had reached a real crisis point for us. And uh, one of the things that I've learned through the years of parenting is that no matter how uh, hard we try to, to, with all our disciplines and our charts and our rewards and all of the things that we've done, I can't change the hearts of my children. I can try mm-hmm. my best to train them. I can do mm-hmm. my best to encourage what is right and coach them on how to do it better the next time. But I have no power to change their hearts. Only God can change their hearts. And so in this situation with our two boys, we just went to the Lord and said, Lord, we're, we're doing everything we can do. Uh, we're disciplining. We're training. We're encouraging. But we just feel like we're losing. We're not getting there. And we can't touch their hearts. We can't change their hearts. We can't convince them. To change their hearts and their attitudes. Only you, God, can work in their mm-hmm. hearts and change their hearts. And so we began to pray for them that God would intervene on their behalf and that God would do what he wanted to do, what he needed to do to uh, begin to remedy the situation in their lives. And uh, one morning, one of our boys uh, woke up. Uh, it was the older one, Benjamin, and he came into our room and he said, and he was really shook. And he came into our room and he said, man, he said, I had a dream last night. He said, it was scary. And and so we, you know, well, what was it? And and he began to tell us about how he had a dream that his brother was killed in a wreck. And it's so it was so real to him, and it so shook him to the core of his being that it, it really got his attention and helped him understand that he really did love his brother. He really did value 
his relationship with his brother. And even though they fought constantly and even though they appeared to hate each other most of the time, (laughs) (laughs) deep down inside, he really loved his brother. And that helped him see that he did care for his brother and that he needed to value the relationship that he had with him right now and he needed to build in it and work on that relationship and not take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And it was a real answer to prayer that God worked into his heart. Dennis, have you struggled with your boys or with your girls in the area of uh, improper language, cussing? Not a lot, but they have brought home some words from time to time, interestingly enough, that they've picked up from other Christian friends Hmm. that are words, words that are acceptable at their Christian friends' homes and in their families that aren't acceptable at our place. Yeah, there's some some mild profanity today that is right. getting overlooked by a lot of parents. Right, and I think uh, parents have got to decide today, single parents have got to decide for their families too, where they're going to draw the line on these issues mm-hmm. because there does need to be some boundaries, and you do need to set a standard and limits. And when those words cause you to pause, more than likely you need to step in and say, you know, we don't use that word here. Mm-hmm. And if you use it again, then it's going to cost you. And we gave our our children some grace, realizing that in some of the cases, they might not even know what some of the words meant. Now, I'm not talking about foul language now. I'm talking about some slang words that are, uh, as you said, mild, Bob. Mm -hmm. But our children need to be trained as they use their tongues here. Mm -hmm. You know, as we talk about all of this, I can't help but think of what Jesus said, which is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we talk about the issues of the tongue, we're really talking about uh, what is going on in our child's heart, because that's where the root of all of this stuff comes from. Yeah, it does, Bob. And don't ever think that your training of your child is in vain. All those repetitive times of correcting them, exhorting them, coming alongside them. And I'm going to tell you something. Barbara and I have wanted to quit. We've turned in our parents' card and resigned on so many different occasions around. Where do you go to do that? I, I don't know. You can't find anybody to turn it into, though. You know you can't. But, but you know, it, it all feels so good when you get a letter in the mail like we received some time ago from uh, the Campus Crusade for Christ campus director, at uh, the university where our sons were in school. And um, he shared how at a public meeting of 300 students, how uh, Samuel stood up and shared publicly how much he loved his brother Benjamin Hmm. and what he meant to him and how much he loved him and how much he admired him and how he was, uh, in many regards, his spiritual hero and how Benjamin had so impacted his life as a as a young man, and how much he was going to miss Benjamin as Benjamin went off to a one-year missions trip overseas. And, you know, we got that letter, and both Barbara and I, I mean, we had to choke back some emotion as we felt that moment that occurred there where all the training and all those moments of correction where you felt like you were losing, finally, a report came back that was so powerful, so, um, so profound that it's one of those moments when as a parent you go, Yes, yes, they got it. And, uh, you know, it's it's too bad you can't get those yeses in the midst of the battle uh, when you need them. It, growing a child is a lot like growing a forest. You plant the seedlings, you tend to them, you take care of the underbrush around them so they can grow up. 
but the harvest doesn't come immediately. It's 15, 20 years later when you get to see the real fruit and the real maturity of that forest in place. 